welcome to the InQtel podcast. I am your host, Vishal Sandesera, and on today's show, we're sitting down with a subject matter expert on the field of reinforcement learning. His name is Aaron. Aaron, say hi. Hi, everyone. Aaron, tell us a little bit about yourself and why we should trust what you have to say to us for the next 20 minutes. Sure. Well, you know, I, I would take it with a grain of salt, but um, so I'm a part of the uh, technical staff at InQtel, which means that I oversee our investments in things like enterprise technologies and quantum computing. Very um, good. So, so I've been I've been researching uh, reinforcement learning for a number of years now um, and applying it in different situations, and excited to tell you a little bit more about where it's headed. Great. Well, Aaron, I'll tell you what. I've done a little bit of homework before sitting down with you so that I don't uh, appear to be completely uninformed, uh, and I've had the pleasure of reading a lot of your research on reinforcement learning. You talk a lot about uh, some of the background behind reinforcement learning, uh, why it's coming to prominence, uh, some reasonable applications for the technology, uh, and even some methodologies or uh, underlying uh, mechanics of. And I hope to, in the next 18 or 19 minutes, talk to you about all those. Let's start at the beginning. Could you tell me a little bit about uh, what's reinforcement learning? I've heard about machine learning. Is it similar, dissimilar, perhaps related to? Reinforcement learning is a type of machine learning. And it's perhaps more closely related to the idea of artificial intelligence than many other paradigms out there. So to give you an idea, the whole premise of reinforcement learning is, can we learn a way for machines to behave optimally? And that means, really, can we, can we help machines to perform real tasks in the world without supervision? OK. Um, you say that it refers more to. Uh when we hear, you mentioned that it's, it's closely akin to artificial intelligence. When, when people talk about artificial intelligence, um, I personally get very excited and terrified at the same time um, because of uh, you know, the concept of the singularity and whatnot. Is, uh, is reinforcement learning driving us closer to uh, uh, you know, things like robots and autonomous vehicles and self-thinking systems and all that kind of stuff? So I would say, in principle, uh, you could look at it like that, um, only because it's, so it's a generalized par paradigm that seeks to help machines to behave with, without explicit programming. So compare that to other paradigms like supervised and unsupervised learning. In that case, you essentially are training a machine on a static data set and deploying it. It doesn't have the ability to learn over time, to refine its behavior, and to achieve very complex goals um, in real time that may actually evolve. I see. So reinforcement learning allows the machine to be adaptable to uh its circumstances or its conditions, environment, whatever the case may be, a changing exactly. data, a changing data set that it's inferring. That's interesting. Okay, um, you mentioned methods like supervised and unsupervised uh, machine learning, and you've drawn a distinction between those and uh, reinforcement learning. Are there <clears throat> is it more complex to do reinforcement learning? Is it more costly? Is it more? Uh, is it? Is it take more time? In general, yes. And actually, reinforcement learning relies on those two paradigms for um, for many different reasons. So. All the complexity, all of the all of the cost incurred in supervised and unsupervised learning is amplified in reinforcement learning, and that's actually one of the big challenges right now in research. It's you know we need reinforcement learning to evolve to the point where it can actually learn with much less data, um, and what that means is we we need it to be more more efficient. I'm immediately thinking of uh, a tiny machine, like a child, that you're teaching and training, and then it grows up to do just about anything you want it to do because of reinforcement learning. That's neither here nor there, just a mental picture into my brain, I suppose. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about where I've seen things that uh, have utilized reinforcement learning in, in perhaps my daily life or anybody else's daily life in your life? 
So the first thing I'll say is reinforcement learning is highly experimental right now. It, it, it's mostly being developed in labs on toy problems. So one of, the, one of the most realistic successes of deep learning that you might have heard about is DeepMind's work in playing the game Go. Mm -hmm. Now Go is a very complicated board game and it's very difficult for 99% of human beings to excel. Can you, can you give me a quick objective on what Go is, just, just for my benefit and our listeners' benefit? So Go, you could almost consider Go to be an analog of chess, which with a much more complicated playing space. Okay. So there, there, there are more, let me see if I should say this. There, Does that have to do with outcome? Like you have to plan for bazillions of outcomes of 16 moves out, that kind of sort of thing? So I, I guess I would say that there, there are many more options available to the player, mm -hmm. and the outcomes of the game are, are much more complicated than in chess. All that really means is it gets harder and harder for a person to be able to map out, to plan their actions over the course of the game. And really what people are relying on is looking at very, very complex patterns and, and behaviors that actually evolve over the game um, that, that allow them to excel over time. Okay. So uh, you can use reinforcement learning to teach a system to play Go. I can certainly see some analogs in real life. Why is this important? Why is, it, why is learning something like Go uh, important. I got to imagine that it leads to some bigger, better things that are actually more useful to us as human beings. Well, this is this has kind of been a trend in machine learning for a long time. So, what researchers will do is they will pick the simplest, non-trivial problem, which is usually a board game or some sort of video game. I think I remember uh, a, an artificial intelligence system playing Mario Brothers. Exactly. From start to finish. Exactly. No time at all. And Mario Brothers is it's difficult enough for a human being that it's actually an achievement to apply something like reinforcement learning, right? So if you, if you pit two people against each other in Mario Brothers, one of them is going to do better, invariably. And so, you know, for a re reinforcement learning agent to come along and beat a human being, that's an achievement in itself. Um, I, think, I think really where this breaks down is in the fallacy of assuming that you can immediately apply the same machine that beat someone at Mario Kart or Go to real wor world problems like uh, public policy, for example. It, it's a much different situation in that case and something that we shouldn't immediately assume is feasible. Understood. Okay, so I think you, you've drawn a pretty, pretty strong connection, at least for me, for, uh, for how reinforcement learning potentially could be a part of my life. I'm immediately drawing parallels to autonomous driving, um, which I, I think is, is fairly realistic today, perhaps. Uh, not, not as reliable as we'd like for it to be, but I gotta imagine as time goes on, like you've mentioned, uh, things could get better. Could you, let's talk a little bit about how it all works. You talk about a system that is put into an environment where it's facing a lot of unknowns and it's able to adapt. How does it know to even adapt? Where, where does, what's going on behind the scenes? Sure, so, so this, is, this is probably the most interesting part. And, and really, when we dive into the actual mechanics of how these models work, we're getting very close to this concept of, you know, um, autonomous learning. So the very, very beginning inklings of how a robotic brain might even start to conceive of behaving in the real world. So let me, let me start with a very simple example though. So the simplest example of reinforcement learning is something called the multi-armed bandit. Essentially the idea is... I'm intrigued already. <laughs> the, the idea is, I mean, this was actually, uh, this was inspired by a real world situation. So so a gambler walks into a casino and sits down next to five slot machines. 
And obviously their objective is to make as much money as possible, cash out, and uh, go home happy, right? So absolutely. the problem is they don't necessarily know which of those slot machines is going to pay the highest reward in the shortest amount of time. If they did, this would be simple. Casinos would be out of business. Now, the methodology here is that what this person should start to think about is to, over time, develop a model of how each of these machines pays out rewards. And they do this by playing the game. So they'll put a coin into each machine, see whether or not they win or lose, and over time, they gather intuition on which machines are better. So reinforcement learning is just the instantiation of this. It's an automatic procedure for building that model of which machines work better over time and optimizing your long-term rewards. So, so it sounds like there's a, you mentioned rewards. It, it sounds like there's, there's something that's keeping track of uh, the optimum result based on uh, perhaps some, some level of reward that's earned. Keeping track in a way that a human never could. So it, keeping track of the actual probabilistic outcomes of each machine at a mathematical level, as opposed to just intuition. And that's why, in general, for problems like that, that are very well-defined, where you have perfect information, reinforcement learning can outperform humans every single time. So in your example, the gambler, I, I see the reward there. The gambler sits at five machines. The reward simply is how many quarters come out of each of these machines. The exactly, of right. The is, is a reward. Um, and that's, uh, that's a concept we can all understand. More money is awesome. Except, of course, if you're uh, mace, then more money is more problems. But in any regard, how do you define rewards if you're not in this traditional gambling sense? Uh, in other words, when monetary concerns are out and systems are concerned with other things, who defines rewards? Well, that gets back to some of the ideas in AI safety and, and really just the, just the practicality of AI in general. A human being always has to prescribe the, the reward function. I see. A machine isn't able to understand words like money or power we actually have to put it into a mathematical form in order for it to operate. So another example that doesn't involve money is autonomous vehicles, right. self-driving cars. So the reward there is getting to your destination as fast as possible or you know, as accurately as possible or, or avoiding, minimizing... Avoiding collisions. Or avoiding pedestrians, exactly. Sure. So, so the idea there is that a person would need to sit down and figure out a way to translate all of those values into a mathematical expression that defines reward for a machine. Yeah. Again, we're touching very much on something I'm very excited about and also terrified. We start thinking about things like cars. Sure, getting me from point A to point B is a great, it's a great thing to accomplish. We think about a machine that is uh, designed to do something different. Perhaps there's some collateral damage that actually is considered rewarding. We won't get into any of those use cases, but I've seen plenty of Terminator films to know that that could be perhaps a terrifying area. Or the paper paperclip problem. So you tell a machine to start building paperclips for you and Without any other constraints, it's going to turn the world into either paperclips or paperclip-making machines. Right. It's fascinating. All right. You talked about the one-armed bandit. I also know in your research you cover some more complex models, uh, the Markov decision process. Uh, this leads to me to believe that uh, the one-arm or the multi-arm bandit is perhaps uh, uh, a somewhat, I don't know, simple uh, understanding of how reinforcement learning works, and there are, in fact, more involved uh, methods involved. Can you talk a little bit about the Markov decision process and how that relates to reinforcement learning? The beauty of, of reinforcement learning is actually the Markov decision process and the ability to start to formalize sequential decisions in an actual model. So the ability to actually calculate what's called the optimal decision pathway. And that's something that is elusive to human beings. We, you know, we tend to use ad hoc 
heuristics in most cases to decide, you know, in what order are we going to do the laundry, do the dishes, uh, you know, go to work, come home, invest our money, things like that. So by formalizing each of those stages mm -hmm. of a decision, there are algorithms out there that can actually calculate the perfect sequence to perform those decisions to maximize some outcome that you care about. Okay. And, that's, and that's really the power of it. It's a general paradigm that can be applied to virtually any sequential decision-making process. You mentioned, you talk a lot about context uh, in some of your research. You talk about the concept of uh, context being very important in order for machine learning, or I'm sorry, reinforcement learning systems to uh, formulate appropriate rewards or to understand appropriate rewards. Can you tell us a little about what context means in, in, the, in, the, in the reinforcement learning world? Context actually is important all over AI in general. And the reason for that is knowledge is contextual, just inherently. So anytime we are programming a machine or developing a new model, we have to be aware of the context of the data we're using to train it. So, for example, in Mario Kart, the context is actually the game itself, Mario Kart. And what that means is we can't immediately assume that just because we've trained something to perform well on Mario Kart, it's going to be able to go and dominate Super Mario. They're completely different contexts. And that's what I mean by context. You know, we... Um, you know, one of, the, one of the ideas behind the multi-armed bandit is you're in a specific context there. So your context is a casino. You're sitting at slot machines. If you want to perform that task in a different environment, you need to be aware of the different opportunities, the different choices, the different rewards that you might care about. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the people that are uh, working on these systems and, and the applications. Um, what are people most concerned with when it comes to reinforcement learning? Is it compute? Is it uh, electricity? Is it data? Is it all of those things? Is it something else? In many cases, it's a combination. All of those contribute to the performance, the overall performance of the algorithm. In, in, I would say at this point in time, in the research community, there's a lot of attention right now toward efficiency in reinforcement learning just the ability to learn with fewer examples. Mm -hmm. So if you think of how a child learns, for example, they don't necessarily need billions and billions of data points uh, to, to realize that, you know, this object is a cup. This is my toy. This is my parent. Right. Um, this hot plate is hot. Don't touch it again. Exactly. We need maybe, we need perhaps one example to know that, you know, we shouldn't do that again. And, and that's one of the biggest distinctions between natural intelligence and artificial intelligence. We would love to be able to program machines to behave that way too. It's just that it, it, you know, we, we really don't understand the discrepancy there. And human beings do not think like machines. Right. Let's talk about applications. We touched a little bit on autonomous driving. Where else can we see uh, or will we see in the future reinforcement learning take a big, uh, a big role? It's starting to step out of the lab already. And, and it, it, most of this, like I said, is experimental. But in some cases, we're starting to see applications in things like ad targeting. So, you know, how can, how can websites make the most money off of the users that pass through each day? And a lot of that has to do with understanding user behavior, understanding how they're reacting to what they see on the page, and then driving them to click on certain things or, uh, or engage in very specific ways. So the reinforcement learning agent in that case is, is incredibly manipulative. It's learning to influence people to do very specific things over time. Interesting. Aaron, should we be afraid of what's coming or should we be uh, embracing of what's coming? 
this is so my personal opinion is that we should be embracing yet skeptical and i think that that's probably a sound advice for most situations in life there are always opportunities to improve on the current situation and reinforcement learning is absolutely a powerful tool to do that on the other hand we need to make sure that these issues around ai safety performance accountability are all are all sort of wrapped up in the end algorithms that are pushed out to consumers, to devices, just to make sure that, that these systems are actually behaving the way that we intend them to. Got it. Uh, so as a layman, I will suggest that I heard a lot about machine learning at one point. Then I heard a lot about artificial intelligence at one point. Now I'm hearing a lot about reinforcement learning. If you were a betting man, if you were this multi-armed bandit, where do you put your money on what's coming next? Well, I might need a reinforcement learning algorithm. To tell me that. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would Amazing say... Amazing product placement. <laughs> Fantastic product placement. Aaron, it's been lovely speaking with you today. Thank you for your time. Certainly appreciate your expertise. To our listeners, if you're interested in anything that InQtel is doing, please check us out online at www.iqt.org. I'm your host, Vishal Sandesera, and this has been an InQtel podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.